Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor at Casper Lines Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast from our Sunday morning worship gathering. We're grateful that you stop by, you listen, you stream it, you download it. We are just grateful that uh, you take time to, to listen. I hope it's a blessing. Over the next few weeks, we're going to have some of our key leaders, our elders, speak. Um, we're going to have one week on giving. That's what this week is about. And then we'll have a week on being a father and then a week on sin. And then going forward for the rest of the summer, we'll be talking about eternal life. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Okay, so, you know, sometimes when someone's like, hey, I need someone to share on the topic, and I'd be like, I'd love to do that. And then you think about it, you think, oh boy. So I I had the privilege, we'll say privilege, um, we were without a pastor, this was a long time ago when we lived in Green River, um, on the Sunday following 9-11. And so imagine me writing that sermon. Uh, that, was, that was brutal. I probably would rather do that than tackle this topic today. Um, I'm going to talk about something that no one wants to talk about, but we all think about it all the time. Money. Oh, um, it's it's interesting because um, you know money is one of those things that we all understand exists, hopefully. Um, and what and, and what's so interesting about it is that that without money, this doesn't happen. You know, this building and this equipment and a pastor, and bulletins, and lights, and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen. And on a grander scale, you know, money is how the world, or how God gets things done in the world. Money is how, you know, he accomplishes his will, and, uh, and how he uses his people to get things done. So I just want to take a little bit of time. Hopefully we'll get out early unless I get off on a rabbit trail, which I can't completely discount might happen. So um, in my mind, there's, there's two types of giving. Um, and we'll talk about this. There's, there's tithing and then there's generous giving. And there's a lot of people I think will get those confused and think they're the same thing. And in some ways they may be, but ultimately... Um, I just want to kind of talk about what I see the difference as being. Uh, if you were to, uh, as I know some of you spend all your time doing, just Googled, hey, um, what does the Bible say about giving? You're going to get all kinds of stuff. Um, it's all, and a lot of it is fairly well known. I'm going to share just a couple quick ones. Um, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, beginning at verse 7. Um, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? 
in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Um, you know, that's, that's God saying, hey, you should be tithing, and if you don't, you're robbing God. Um, Jesus in Mark, uh, my favorite book of the Bible. Oh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, for Jinx, my name is Mark Ayan. Um, I'm an elder here at the church. Um, I work for the Wyoming Department of Transportation. Um, I have not been here for 20 years. I have not been in ministry for 20 years. I've been in ministry today for 20 minutes. So, uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 41. And he sat on opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put, she put, has put in everything she had to live on. Um, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 16, that's where God establishes what the tithe is. If you go to Genesis chapter 14, there's a story about Abram and a little priest he runs into along the way whose name is Melchizedek. And you see there that Abram gave a tithe or 10% of what he had to that priest. Um, and then, you know, maybe the most famous, I think, that you see is that verse out there that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, from Matthew chapter 6. And so, you know, we all know this. I learned up knowing that I should give, that I should give to the church. And I always wanted to. I will be the first to admit I did not always do it. Um, even though I knew I should... I did not always do it. So what was what was the problem? Um, I'm going to tell a story. I'm not going to say um anymore. So any of you who had um on the bingo board, go ahead and cross that one off. Uh, uh. So a long time ago, like 20-something years ago, we had some friends that were moving offices. And uh, Beth and I went with and helped them move, you know, it was mainly, you know, it was the fun moving uh, file cabinets and heavy desks, you know, it's the best kind of moving to do. So we went and I was not making much money. We had tiny children at the time. I don't remember how old they were, but we had decided that we were buying lunch that day. <clears throat> now these friends of ours are incredibly generous they have, they have given a lot to uh, my family over the years. And it was so hard for them to let us do that. Because they're like, we're not receivers, we're givers. And I was like, well, guess what? Today you're going to be a receiver. And we forced that on them. And, and I remember Beth and I talking about it. And we're like, well, that's... That's what we want. That's our jam. And so um, that, that kind of sparked this thing in my brain that was like, this is, this is kind of how I feel like I'm supposed to live my life. But I'll be the first to admit, money 
at that point, it was really scary to me. Um, today, it's only slightly scary to me, we'll say. Um, and a lot of it's because I did not totally understand a lot about it. I knew that I was getting paid. I didn't feel like I was getting paid enough, but who does? Uh, but at the same time, I had a lot of things going on in my life. And I'm going to tell you, this didn't last for just like the first two years of our marriage. This probably lasted for about 20-ish years, we'll say. Uh, but, you know, I had kids that I had to feed. You know, they wanted to eat on a regular basis. I had, I had things that I wanted because, you know, I, I thought I needed them. It has now turned into a almost 500 CD collection <laughs> that I just finished burning onto a thumb drive. So if you want to know that story, let me know. You know, I had wants, I had needs. And then eventually, 10 years into our marriage, we had cancer to deal with. And that involved a lot of travel and that involved a lot of, you know, staying places and medical bills and all those kinds of things. But there was always something coming up. But in the end, what was causing my problem and what made it so scary is I was making, I, I have written down here, I made bad choices. I made horrific choices at some points in my life, specifically in dealing with uh, my finances and in dealing with my money. And it was so frustrating to me because I remembered that feeling of giving and I remembered that. And, and over the years, while all this was going on, we were receivers and we were getting, you know, we were, we were that family that was getting like weird envelopes full of money in our mailbox that we had no idea where they came from. Meals were just showing up. We didn't know where they were coming from. It, we, we were very much receiving, and at the same time, we very much had this desire that we wanted to be givers. More than anything, we wanted to be givers. So, so what changed? I've been trying to figure out a best way to, to explain this. And this week, I listened to, I traveled to Cody this week for work, which I know, horrible place to have to go. I understand suffering for the state of Wyoming. Um, and I was listening to, and I don't ever do this, but I was listening to a leadership book, kind of leadership book. Um, and he told a story. So five seagulls were sitting on a beach and one decided to fly off. How many seagulls are left on the beach? Anybody? Okay, I see four. Everybody agree with four? The answer is five. Because just because one of them decided he wanted to fly off the beach doesn't mean he flew off the beach. <laughs> and I realized when I listened to it, I was like, man, that describes my life so much. Just because I decided I wanted to be a giver and I wanted to do these things, unless I was going to do something about it, I was sitting on the beach with the other seagulls. Um, which isn't necessarily a place to go. And so, uh, you know, at some point, uh, Beth and I were talked, and we were like, you know what? We need to take some action. We need to do some stuff. But in the end, what it came to is I needed to stop being lazy. 
and I needed to take control of uh, this portion of my life, meaning the money portion. Uh, I started at this point, you know, shameless plug, listening to the Dave Ramsey program on the radio, uh, listening to the principles that he had to say, and learning how to budget, and learning what money means and how I'm supposed to deal with it and how I'm supposed to do it and how it's supposed to look. Uh, And I did all that. And being the engineer that I am, I had a spreadsheet built like at the drop of a hat because that's like my life. But I learned over time and listening to this stuff that there's very much a spiritual component to this part of your life as well. And I was reminded of um, a passage from the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn, or I'll just read it to you, um, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity." Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So one of the reasons this passage means a lot to me, Philippians 4.13 is the very first verse that I remember knowingly committing to memory. Now, there are other verses I memorized that I didn't realize they were Bible verses because they were just part of the liturgy on Sunday morning. And I found out later they were Bible verses, but that's a whole other thing. But Philippians 4.13 was like the first verse I ever like knowingly memorized at FCA when I was like a freshman in high school. Um, I didn't find out until later that contrary to what the uh, star athletes in America who have it like tattooed on their chest and written wherever, it doesn't at all mean what they think it means. Um, Taken out of context, it means, you know, I'm the most awesome football player in the history of America. Taken in context, it says... I can live in plenty or I can live in want, but I have to do it all by the power of God. But, but what this passage means to me, um, it's about focus, really. 
And it's about looking around and saying, you know, what's, what's important to me? Um, what are the beautiful things that are out there? What are the powerful things that I need to be working on? Now, giving, giving to me is one of those things. It's like, it's like prayer and it's like Bible study and it's like uh, fellowship and, you know, all these things that you go to church on Sunday and they're like, you need to be praying for and you need to be reading your Bible. You don't very often come to church and hear them say, you need to give because when you do, people tend to not come back to that church. And, and we at this church, for anybody who's been here knows, we don't talk about this very often, but, but today we are. Um, is giving natural? No, it is not um, at all natural. You know, there are people in here that are listening to this and they're like, um, I give, I'm fine. And it's true. This is a very, very giving church uh, when people have a need, this church steps up. But this is a discipline that is hard to tackle because it makes us very, very uncomfortable. And it causes me to make choices. Um, you know, when you, uh, when you read, the thing I've always appreciated about when you, when you listen to or you, you really get into the, the Dave Ramsey budgeting of life chapters, the very first thing he tells you is you don't give up giving. Tithing is the very first thing in your budget. And I think it's because that's what God wants. You know, God is, is trying to help us by saying, give to me first, and then you get to live on the rest. Um, it's, but it's hard because, you know, I'm the last one or, yeah, I'm the last one to say, I never think about what's coming up because it's very easy for me to be like, well, I could give to this, um, whatever, but if my teeth all fall out by the end of the month, I should probably have some money just kind of stored away over here just in case. Because um, I don't know. I, I'm going to help God out. And I can provide for Mark. And I don't have to, you know, I, God doesn't have to provide for me. So I'll just, I just won't give and I'll keep this over here. And that's hard. Um, it's 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 like I said, it's work, um, and it's uncomfortable, and it, and it causes you, you know, to take a look at your life. Uh, it causes you to ask, do you really need the entire works of Sandy Patty on DVD? <laughs> In my case, yes, and I have them. If anyone needs to borrow them, let me know. But. Um, and I can send them to you by email because they're all anyway. But it, but it causes you, you know, to take a look at your life. It causes you to take a look at what you have going on and think, am I doing what Paul says in Philippians? And am I focusing on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely? And when you start living your life that way, it gets, it, it gives you a clarity that, that I did not have uh, before that. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8. 
when I read this verse, I was like, man, this, that Paul guy, he, he knew what was going on. So beginning in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, page turn, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. When you read verse 5, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What this first showed me when I read this years ago was that giving, believe it or not, can go beyond the bare minimum. It can go beyond the 10%. Um, And truly, honestly, for me, that's where my joy my greatest joy uh, comes from. You know, there are, there are missionaries out there. There are full-time Christian workers that would love to have your support. There are people uh, in this church. There are people in this city. There are people in our families that, you know, $50 could make a whole world of difference in their life. And honestly, you know, the, the greatest joy for me is watching people receive. And if, if you, I'm just going to, uh, here's my, I'm just going to throw this one guilty line out here. If you haven't had the experience of watching someone receive a gift and they don't know who it's from, you have not lived. It's one of the greatest experiences in life. I'll just tell you that right now. So in doing research for this, you know, I did what I said at the very beginning. I said, you know what, what does the Bible have to say about giving? And one of the, one of the sermon document blog, whatever it was I found, you know, they list off, these are the benefits of tithing. This is why tithing is required. And it's all these things like it, it teaches you how to rely on God and it teaches you to keep your eyes on Jesus and that kind of stuff. But one of the most interesting thing I found in several places is they say that this is how God uses his people to accomplish amazing things on this earth is through the small acts of the people that believe and trust in him. And th- that's where the fun is at, is getting to, getting to know that I'm being used by God, getting to know that I, in some small way, 
you know, I get to support this church. I get to support our pastor so that he can be here for another 20 years in ministry. Um, I get to, you know, VBS is this week. I know that the giving, the giving that I make to this church supports things like VBS and it supports things like worship and it supports, you know, so many things. And then beyond that, I get to do all these things because God has called me to be a generous giver. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to close with a passage. So while I'm reading, if the worship team wants to come up, this would be an appropriate time. Um, it's one chapter later in Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 9. And I'm just going to end with this. And then the worship team's going to sing. Well, I'm going to end with this and I'll pray. And then the worship team will sing. And then you all get to go home. Second uh, Corinthians 9, beginning at verse um, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, and he has he has to the poor his righteousness endures forever he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift.